Hey everybody, it is Lee. This is Novelty Drive. I just recorded the first seven minutes of an episode with Jessica, my girlfriend, and so much more than that. That's just her title in my life, and my life is not necessarily her life, but in my story, she's my girlfriend. She runs a cooking blog and Instagram called See Jess Cook. That's great. Um, I was feeling inspired, and there's a lot of th- topics that I had on my mind while I was walking dogs, listening to the last episode of Harmontown, which I've been listening to for several years. It's been on for like since 2012, and I started listening in 2015, um, basically every week. And um, he did some shout outs to Duncan Trussell, which is another podcast that I discovered through him. And the very first podcast that I did for this show was with Dustin Marshall, uh, Dustin Martian, J- Dustin Marshall, one and the same, who was the founder of Feral Audio. You can listen to that in the first episode. Uh, Feral Audio was the network on which Harmontown and the Duncan Trussell Family Hour debuted. So um, obviously those three things mean a lot to me and my personal desire to podcast. I started listening to Harmontown in 2015 when I was working on the gates of Camp Pendleton in the Marine Corps, scanning IDs, um, letting people in and out, which is such a tedious, boring job, and it normally involves people trying to get to Dunkin' Donuts. That's on base, but I'm not supposed to let them go to Dunkin' Donuts, but I normally let them go to Dunkin' Donuts anyway because I don't like saying no to people. (laughs) Um, I'm glad none of them. Shout out to all the people that went to Dunkin' Donuts and weren't terrorists. Mostly confused foreigners that didn't know why the highway turned into a military base um but every day in the hot freaking california sun or in the rain or in the cold or whatever i had dan Harmon and his lovable cast of misfits just blasting into my ear canals constantly and it's through once i got caught up on that show i went like i went through and i listened to them all up to date and once I got caught up, I needed my Harmon fix, so I searched his name in the podcast app, and I found him as a guest on a show called Duncan Trussell Family Hour, and that's how I discovered Duncan Trussell, who I also went back and just listened to everything, and I, it's a weird relationship that people have with podcasts where you feel like you know this person that you've never met before, and... Uh, and I know it sounds like hacky or whatever to do a shout out to those people, but I'm shouting them out right now because they're the they're the reason why I love this medium. And even though I'm I saw, I'm not I haven't done it in maybe I don't know a year or something since I published an episode, but but man, I love podcasts. And listening to the last episode of Dan Harmon today really made me um, it really inspired me to come in here and do something. And to bring Jessica with me because she's easy to talk to for me. People recently have started commenting about how it's crazy that we spend basically every waking minute of the day together. Uh, well, she gets about two hours longer without me in the, in the day <laughs> than I do. Um, well, maybe I make up for it by staying up later. But we spend most of our waking hours together and we... I very rarely am annoyed with her to any any extreme, and I just thought it would be good to talk about some things with her that I've been thinking of as an easy way to get them out. That said, I'm going to start talking to you, Jessica, now, her, Jessica, you, there, her, to the listener, Okay. Um, and... The first thing I'm going to say is going to be contrary to my whole I want to talk about me speech, but hopefully it all ties in somewhere. And now that we're doing this, I don't um, lose my train of thought. Yeah. So. Let's sing Toby Keith. I'm not familiar with that Toby Keith song. Oh. What I think, what I like, what Um, I know, what I want, what I see. Um, this is gonna tie. This is contrary to the. Well, before the Toby Keith fucking. I'm sorry. Um, 
No, all that stuff about every waking minute and never getting annoyed. And that was all bullshit. Um, the other day, we were out listening to music, talking to people. This has happened twice. People ask you what you do for a living. And I've heard you say it twice now. And the answer to that question has been. I'm a cooking blogger. Okay. And what we were talking about before the dog started barking and I realized that I hadn't been recording my track the right way is that prior to you admitting that you're a cooking blogger, because that's <laughs> kind of what it feels like, right? That's how I always feel is you're like yeah. admitting something. Well, yeah, I feel like an imposter most of the time. And so what what did you use like what? What we were trying to get to the point, what I was trying to get to the point of is why are you now admitting that you're a cooking blogger when people ask you what you do, if it, if you felt more like one or if it's a conscious decision um, to hope to feel more like one or I, what is it's it? It's kind of tied in with a lot of things, I guess. Um, I told you before we got cut off that I said... I used to say that, yeah, I just do website design because then no one will ask me a question. Excuse me. And I don't have to get personal with anyone because I have a really hard time. I have a very hard time like ever being vulnerable or actually personal with anybody in any way. Um, And so it's feels easier and people don't really ask questions and so people started asking me questions so they'd say well whoa what kind of websites do you design and really I have experience doing yours and mine you know Mm -hmm. and so and even that's not I'm not coding I'm doing website design I'm learning a little bit more about it now because I'm kind of getting deeper as I'm going but that's not really what I'm doing. I'm I have a blog. That's what I do. I that's what it is. I'm a food blogger, cooking blogger. Um and so in an effort to not lie to people or myself and work on my like confidence and um conviction and I am capable of doing this, I decided to just start saying it. And I feel like sometimes just saying it out loud forces me to hold myself to a higher standard and actually make it be like work and my job. And I do that even, I think I say that a lot with other things too. So like if I tell you I, I'm going to do this, this is, so, this is something I'm working on. That I'm going to do. The FedEx guy's outside. (laughs) That it's something that I'm going to do. Then verbalizing it seems to make me, for for whatever reason, have to do it. Does that that make sense? Yeah. And so I I think about that too. Having to, like verbalizing it and then being accountable Mm -hmm. to it. And and but sometimes I think like I can do something like mm, like say you really like a song or something. I can be like, oh, I'm secretly going to learn how to play that song and then play it out of nowhere. And Jessica's going to be like really surprised and impressed. Mm-hmm. And if I decide not to play that song, well, I'm not accountable yeah. To anyone for it. So it's better to not verbalize it. Well, Do you th- okay. okay. Continue. What was the question? So I was going to say, is that is that wrong? Is that a trap of your own desire to give up on things? Or is it like, which, because sometimes you, there are some times where you say, not you, there are some times where I say I'm going to do something and, um, it, it it doesn't get done sometimes, yeah. you know, or it gets done later than than the date given. So wh- okay. I'm wondering which way, which which way's worse. I have I have a very particular like I don't know. I'm almost I feel like I'm almost superstitious about a lot of things in a way. I don't I don't know if that's the right word, but I want to word this the right way without get, being too personal. I. Because I, I think because I have OCD, 
genuine <laughs> issues. I have to do things in a particular way all the time because that's the good way in my head. But when I was in college, I was in a business class and we had a life coach come in and talk to us. He is an inspirational speaker. It's like exactly the type of thing. I'm like, ooh, that's the type of person I want to be, like smaller scale Tony Robbins style, Rachel Hollis. Shout out to all those people that I love. It's like that kind of a person. And he was talking about success and what what success does. And he said, the problem is we we tend to do things to get a response out of people. And we get like particular endorphins released when we say, I'm going to do this. And people go, oh, good for you. Good for you. You do that thing. And then we feel like we already did it. So we stop trying. Right. And that is like counterintuitive to what a lot of other other people say when they say things like, you know, you have to live like you like you have the thing already and and force yourself to do that. And I think those two things kind of go hand in hand. So for a long time, I was like, never tell anyone the dream ever. Never tell anyone the dream. One, if you don't do it, then you never look like a fool. Make sure you're talking into the mic. Sorry, I thought I was like eating it. Yeah, eat the mic. That's the thing you're supposed to do. Okay. That, that exact phrase <laughs> is a thing people say. Oh, okay. Well, I felt like I was about to take a bite out of it. No, it's good. Sorry, okay. thank you. Okay, so um, I, what was I saying? Don't tell people because Don't tell then people. you get because the endorphin then, rush. Yeah, because you get the endorphin rush, but also for me, then you never look foolish. But that started translating in a lot of my life to having, I am an idea person. Like that's, I, I will see something and see immediate potential in it. And my brain just starts spinning on what can I do to, to make this happen. And so often I just talk myself out of it because it, what if I fail or what if it's what if I'm not good at it or someone else has already done this and then I don't tell anyone because I have told people some of my dreams that I have not achieved and I don't like that feeling and one thing that I think has been changing for me in my head is trying to take those two things and put them Take those two things and put them together. I'm sorry. I'm trying to. Um, and that means like I don't need to tell every single person the thing that I want, the goal. I don't need to tell them the actual dream. I know people always say call your shot, but I like to call my shot in my agenda. So I write what my big dream is. And that's my thing. And I don't give it like a deadline because I'm, if I do give it a deadline, then I'll always feel like I fail if something else happens. Like there are so many variables in my life right now that if I say, I'm going to do this and do it by, you know, December 15th, the likelihood of me actually getting it done by December 15th is slim because I have four kids three dogs, you, my life, everything else going on, something could inevitably come up and then I will feel like I failed at my benchmark. And I don't know if this is making sense or is easy to follow, but um, I've just tried to be more like, this is what, this is what I'm in the process of doing, I guess. If I tell people that I'm a work in progress, that I haven't actually achieved the thing yet, then I feel like like I'm being honest with myself and honest with the other people. Okay, and but I don't I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm just rambling right okay, now. So probably. What I what But what is the thing that's meant to be achieved? Like so for me, I think about my priorities in life and what I want to do and who I want to be and stuff like that. And I'm always thinking like there's some things that are real ideas that are important to me. Like I want to be a good dad. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. And then I think, does what is being a good dad? Is the definition of being a good dad, um, you know, doing something stable that is definitely going to always uh, provide for mm-hmm. the family uh, at at detriment to like mental health? Is being a good dad? having a nice car that you know the family can fit in is uh being a good dad having more time to spend with the kids and listen to them talk is being a good you know so it's like Mm -hmm. there's there's the idea of being a good dad and then there's the trappings around what that possibly means which which could seem like success even though you know those those trappings are hollow so you can I could do you kind of do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So like you I could say work at a McDonald's every day for the rest of my life in order to like always buy new clothes or shoes or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck. And that's on in one sense that fits the big goal of being a good dad, but maybe you know I'd have to work 20 hours every day or like you work double shifts all the time or something like that and never be home. So, so then, so it's hard to figure out exactly what success is and how important, you know, the pursuit of your professional endeavors ties into that. What do you think about that? Um, I think that my dog is bothering me. Lay down. Sorry. Lay down. Good girl. Um, I think that those, that's, that's just the big question of everything in life is how do you balance all of those variables? That's what you have to figure out in everything. So really, nobody else gets to make that decision. That's, I think that's the thing right. is I don't think there's one like, there's no definite, this is the right one at this moment. There's nothing that is that way. So what you have to do, and I'm like quoting my, my mother, my stepmother actually, is what is acceptable for you? Can you live with things this way? Okay, then you, then you do that. The hard line decision comes where you're like, can you just not live with this anymore? If you can't, then that's when you make a change. And that's what she's like. That's I mean, I think about that a lot because I I don't know. I a big thing for me is I want to be a good mom. I want to be I so I understand what the parent thing for you. Like I do. Well, that's I'm, like, I'm not I'm not saying I'm having any like horrible dad no, existential dread. No, I was just using that as a random example. No, I, no, of, I, I understand. I, I understand. But that's what but I mean what I'm saying is I think all of those things are just like it, it I guess okay, so another thing is I I play these gigs or whatever around town, mm-hmm. you know. And so I and then I think to myself, okay, something I can do for my family is earn more money playing these gigs around town. Mm-hmm. And a way to get more gigs is to get better at what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. maybe sitting down and playing guitar for an hour and a half during the day is somehow a notch in the good dad book. Yeah, or, I think. Or is that like a selfish way to justify doing a thing I'd rather be doing? But I think it's good for your kids. I think all of those things intertwine because what do we want for the kids? That's I think that that's the first question that you have to ask is like what do we think as parents is the best life for the kids do we what do we want to show them do we want to show them that you have to give up who you are because of responsibility in some ways yeah I mean not even who you are but I want I want them to understand that sometimes there's a sacrifice there but that can mean anything I want them to stay true to who they are and go for their goals at the end of the day and know that it's possible to do. And 
at the same time say, okay, that takes self-discipline. What does self-discipline look like? What is that? Is that me deciding that right now I need to spend that extra time playing guitar? Probably, because that's how you achieve the goal. And if we teach them tenacity that way, that's, I think, a thing you know, to do. They know they don't get to eat dinner until mom's taking pictures of their food. Like they know that that's a thing they know. They expect it. They have little, like they brainstorm ways that they can put see just cook on things. They're six, they're seven and eight. And that's what the little girls do all the time. And 14 and 16. Yeah. But those, the seven and eight year olds are always like, Oh, I have an idea of to what we can do with this. And they feel the same way about your music. They want to go watch you play. That's a big thing to them. They love it. They think it's so cool that that's what you do. In fact, you <laughs> wrote in there in one of their books, um, your dad is cool. Tell me a thing that he does that's cool. And she wrote, my favorite thing is that he plays music. She loves that about you. Like, I think that's a, I think that's, that's cool. You know what I mean? I'm probably off topic. I don't know. I have a headache. <laughs> um one of the things right now that like you know my whole mood for wanting to do this podcast was being inspired really by the medium in general and like you listen to a bunch of podcasts too for the people that inspire you um I think mm-hmm. like we have there's a, a section where we like cross over into each other's worlds where like Aubrey Marcus meets. He's like the the middle of the Venn diagram or whatever because he's all like kind of self-helpy and inspirational, but also like all psychedelic-y. And- I think his psychedelic-y part- portion is self-helpy and inspirational. I think that's... I think that's... I mean, that's that's why I like him, yeah. Yeah, but I like I think that's... I think his, I think, yeah, I think that's, he segues me more into interest in that area because he talks about it in a way of not necessarily like, I mean, sometimes he is more wooey than I, I would be, but I think he talks about it in a way of like leading to complete, self-discovery and healing from trauma and stuff like that and I I like listening to people talk about using your pain to take you to the next level okay so that's that's the reason you like Aubrey Marcus and the reason I'm bringing him up is because he's the Venn diagram for our podcast interest and the the real thing that got me all inspired today was thinking about how, unlike any other medium exactly, podcasts in general allow people to just like legitimately be with you. In, and if, if, if the podcaster is doing it right, in my opinion of right, because I don't, I don't really like scripted podcasts or anything like that too much or even really like true crime podcasts or things. Mm-hmm. I like long three hours of yeah. people rambling about themselves and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of built on the back of what we were talking about with being a good dad and stuff like that is just that there's constant pressure from the society that we live in not to be genuine about anything about yourself if you can help it. Like people people go to work and then maybe they work in retail or something and they had an argument with their mom before they went to work and well a customer walked in so they're like fake smiling and pretending mm-hmm. like they're having the best day of their lives to try to get that person to sell something so that they'll do a good job by their boss and then they'll make money and then maybe you can buy a fucking yeah i don't know airpods that barely stick out of your supreme beanie so people will look at you and think that you're succeeding but really you're sad inside because your argument with your mom bummed you out so hard or something and 
I like I want to be able to be that genuine with people all the time. And even this medium, I like like there, I it's hard for me to yeah. be that way. Yeah. Well, there, it's like scary to be vulnerable. That's just that's crazy that this is like that's the thing you want to talk about with me in particular, because I opened you with your first question with me saying I don't like to talk about personal things. Well, because I can talk to you about my personal things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I think that that's, um, it, yeah, it's hard because, well, you're kind of told to stifle feelings that you have from a young age. You, we say like stiff upper lip and, you know, that sort of mentality still exists and I just don't know that people actually genuinely know how to process their feelings yeah and it's also like sometimes I'll have I'll figure something out or I'll think I'll will Mm -hmm. and I'll be like oh that's a truth I figured out uh, a rule or whatever Mm -hmm. of living and it may not have any basis in scientific fact whatsoever. It's just like a thing that I've that I've noticed a trend of or whatever. Mm-hmm. And even those things, like I'll internalize it and I can like practice it and stuff. But then I either want to go tell somebody else about it because I think it's a cool thing that I learned. And then they completely like shut it down and say it's dumb mm-hmm. or that has no basis in scientific fact or maybe it's even evil, right. you know? And and so so then you're like, okay, well, maybe I don't have to share my rules with the universe of the universe with anyone else. And then like even that duality causes strife in wanting to be completely honest in your expression. Yeah. And and someone like Dan Harmon for me is like I was thinking about it and the reason why I've enjoyed his podcast so much is because he he's a person that's been like he made a career out of not trying to hide his flaws but like exalting his flaws to the point where no one else could possibly make fun of him like his sexual fetishes and his mistakes in life and his Mm -hmm. perhaps anatomical differences from other people and Mm -hmm. stuff have all been like exalted and as much as I admire and respect that I am like way too afraid to to be the same way and I want to be that way yeah I yeah I understand what you're saying I've, I mean, <laughs> the dogs want to be that way too. Really bad. I don't know if I've said it on this one or if it was in the first take, but we're doing this in the dining room because we didn't want to be under the stairs. I didn't. I just set up out here in the dining room. I just came home from a dog walk and said, Jessica, we're podcasting. <laughs> Let's podcast. It's okay, Samson. Samson. But what I realized is today in particular that how badly i do want to be that way and how important it think it is so i'm going to try that, yeah. to start being that type of way and that one of the biggest things i'm worried about even with you is like i'm going to start being that type of way and you're going to realize you know like i you don't love me anymore or that's, something see that's when a long time ago We had a conversation and it's stuck in my head for a long time. Like, and I mean, by a long time ago, I mean like it was years ago. Um, And you said something to me like, yeah, I just don't want you to, to like see through, it was like see through the veil or something. And I was like, what in the world is he talking about? And I, it like stuck in my head. It was a very particular thing. And I've noticed that it is a thing. It, I know that's a thing that you, you want to be very transparent and open and honest about who you are. I know you do. 
and you I think I feel like you are with me even if you don't have to verbalize everything for me to feel like you're being honest with me about everything do you know what does that mm-hmm. make sense yeah. um and I think like I know I think I know your flaws we spend every waking moment together and I don't think there's a I don't think I mean, aside from you, like, murdering one of the kids, I don't think there's pretty much anything you could do that would make me be like, oh, yeah, I don't know who he is. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think, I think, I mean, I, I have crazy flaws too. I don't want anyone to know them. it's a big deal for me. You know them. You see me in like my absolute worst moments when I'm having anxiety attacks and I want to like hide. And you know how I feel after that. Like I'm terribly worried that you don't love me anymore. And it's, you know, that that's just how that goes. But I think that, I think that you are definitely on a path to be living your life the way that you want to be living it. Yeah, but with okay. open and but I understand the fear. But, I understand, like, I, so like for us, you know, one thing about my life is that, um, throughout circumstances through the years, from when I first met you and the kids and everything like that, I like wanted this to be my family and now it is you know yeah and and that's you know come with a lot of problems i guess and baggage and stuff like that but it's still something that i really longed for and wanted for and had it happen which is a different I wanted to talk about that too, but that's not exactly what I'm trying to talk about right now. I'll get back to that later. Um, in terms of flaws and stuff like that, like, like when I, when I met, when I met you for the first time, Mm -hmm. I was at the end stages of all I cared about was, um, sleeping with girls and getting drunk all the time, you know? And, and just trying to be like as bad as possible. Yeah. Trying to be as bad as possible. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah. And um it part of part of that, you know <laughs> not art of seduction, because it's that that gives it that makes it sound so much grander or better than it was, but part of the the cycle of the life that I was living then was um, meet a new person, make myself seem as cool or whatever as possible, win them over with like funny jokes and dress nice and, and then, you know, get what I want out of them and Mm -hmm. then go and do that again and then go and do that again. And, um, that's so inherent in all of my relationships with everyone and I don't I don't I'm not trying to say that I'm special and everybody doesn't do this. I just don't know everyone's personal experience. Uh, that whole like how do I want to be seen by this person in order to get this thing? Mm-hmm. And I don't maybe that's manipulation or maybe it's societal expectations and I don't know, but it's not like a a game that I want to play anymore and there's some like serious parts of my identity that I, that I associate with and with some really close friends of mine too, who I love, like legitimately love that might still see me in some aspects stuck in that, in that place. Mm -hmm. And, and the thing that's hard is that I don't feel like that inside anymore, but I also don't want to let those people down about, who I am as a human. Right. So that's that's one of the things that I'm having trouble with in the grand yeah. scheme of things. Like my friend my friend Ryan or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sometimes I'll say something and he'll he'll chuckle and remind me of something like super cynical 
that I said as a teenager. And I'll be like, yeah, that's clever and funny, but I don't feel like that anymore. But like, instead of, instead of being like, yeah, I was a dumb kid. I'll go along with it and be like, ah, yeah. ha, ha, yep, that's me. The cynical yeah. Uh, jerk. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. I think it's interesting to hear you say things that way. Cause like when I met you, I, I had a definite image of you in my head. Like I, I'd heard all the things I had made up my mind as to what I thought about you and actually spending time one-on-one with you was much different than my expectation in some ways in some ways it was in some ways I don't think it was but I think that with I don't I don't I don't know I think I think that you've done a good job of deciding who you want to be and like living it. But yeah, I would, I will agree with you. Sometimes it's, I can see it's hard for you with other people. I think we've briefly talked about it, how it's like a completely different version that, or like, it's like, um, almost like a, a, you're playing a scene. Right. Do, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean that to criticize you in any way. I just mean that to say, like, I understand. I understand what I, what I think you're saying. Like, it's, and, and I think everybody has that. You have little versions of yourself with different people because that's how you relate to them. You'll have different things that you relate to with different people. So a different thing may be expressed when you're with someone versus someone else. And it's hard to find which one supersedes and which one's your true self. And I think that's more of like what your, which one is your true self? Well, which one are you the absolute most comfortable being? And which one matches the person you like want to be? And how can you just, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's, I struggle with that too. I think everybody does. I certainly do. But I don't really talk to enough people to, <laughs> to have that problem. Yeah. Um. You know, I I have friends that I don't talk to. It's not because I don't care about them or don't, you know, feel some kind of a way, but because where I am in my life just doesn't match that. And so for me, sometimes like the temptation to 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 try to prove something is too much. And friendship requires a lot. And I want to be friends with people that matter. Like, and I don't mean that the people that I'm not talking to don't matter. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I want my friendships to matter. The actual relationships to matter. And I have, for example, if, if something, if there's a way that some, you could help or whatever. Yeah. Two friends can help each other instead of being like, well, I'm not obligated to do that. They're just my friend. It's yeah. like, that's my friend. Yeah. I, f- I definitely feel that way. Right. And I've, and the, the hard part for that for me is when you have friends that are at a different stage in life than you are. And so that what you can do changes, if that makes sense. So for me, not talking to, to one of my best friends, like I considered my like very best friend. Um, two of them, actually. We were just at such different stages in life that what they needed from me, I could not, I couldn't give it to them. And it was like killing me to because I wanted to. I wanted to do it, but it was at the expense of like my own kids and my own immediate family. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't. That's that's really what it was. And so that's hard. That's a I think that's a hard place to be and a hard thing to deal with because there's definite guilt there in being like, well, I just, you know, we can't 
we can't talk. We can't because it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense because I'm going, I'm going to inevitably hurt you more. And in turn, I'm going to end up losing myself trying to prove something that doesn't match who I am. It doesn't match who I'm going to be. We don't right now make sense as friends. And that's, I think that's so hard. And I'm not saying that that's where you need to be with Ryan at all because, like, I love Ryan. No, I got, I've got no plans <laughs> like, to Ryan. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I think some in that same vein of trying to figure out, like, where is my true self and how do I come to that place where I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to unapologetically be myself and be okay with my flaws and be okay with all the my mistakes some of the steps you have to take are like deciding, okay, is this is this serving in my life? You know the there's an episode of Boy Meets World where Eric starts dating this girl that plays the guitar mm-hmm. and no one likes her guitar music because she's always just like, I love bunnies, I love sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. And then he breaks up with her and she suddenly gets really edgy and starts playing dark music and gets really popular because yeah. she's mad or whatever. And that's kind of what I feel like sometimes um, the world wants you to be or whatever. Like, especially like in my art, in my art, in my like songwriting and the yeah. music that I play and stuff like that. I, I get caught in this trap where it's like, okay, sometimes there are some angsty songs that are honest or whatever that like I've written or whatever, but. But increasingly right now anyway, the stage of life I'm in, in again, in large part due to even just Duncan Trussell's influence and a cavalcade, is that a word, of guests that he's cavalcade? had. Cavalcade? Cavalcade. Maybe? Yeah, cal- cavalcade. Yeah. Of guests that he's had on his show that, and you know, like each one of those guests you can just like search for and then you find hours and hours and hours and hours worth of yeah. them talking. And there's like all these different veins of people that you can find out there and it's just all these different teachings of like goodness and peacefulness and stuff like that and and that's all stuff that I so hardcore rolled my eyes at for so long Mm -hmm. because I associate people that say those types of things automatically as phonies or something but slowly I've come to want to also be that way mm-hmm. and it it makes me think like what a boring path to choose you know like what you want to love everyone and be nice how boring is that and I and it's hard for me like I don't know what that is but it's hard for me to get over like the boredom of that and and i've been thinking lately about my songwriting and wanting to you know write flowery love songs with poetic language and stuff like that and it that that's more who i am now I'm a poetically love song languagey type guy i think maybe at the moment or or songs about how i think there's weird stuff going on in the universe and it doesn't all have to be doom and gloom or edgy or whatever. And it seems boring to me, but, but maybe, but it seems more like actually me and it feels wrong for me to say that. Like it's like it automatically makes me less than somehow to be like uh, sensitive to others. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I mean, this is this is hard for me to talk to you about because I don't I, some of the stuff I didn't know you've been thinking about, you know, um, that's what I'm saying. And now you're going to love me less. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm trying to think of how to respond. I'm not good at responding on the spot. And I'm being recorded. And I'm also um, not saying I'm actually really writing no, flowery love songs, you're but not. just like <laughs> just like that vein of you know, real expression of, like, sensitivity, I guess. Right. Well, 
I think, um, yeah, this is like, I don't know how to word what I want to (laughs) say. And it's not because I love you less. I don't. And I don't think less of you. That's not, that's not what this, what I'm, what my response is. My response is I'm, I'm surprised that these are things that you're thinking about because you always present yourself in a very confident manner and very comfortable with yourself and very confident with, with your decisions at the moment. So I am, I'm just surprised to hear some of the inner dialogue. I'm happy to, um, so I need to process as we go. And that's, that's what I mean. Like, um, I don't know what that's a like a symptom of. Everybody wants to like look confident in their decision making or whatever. Like, like, you know, I'm the type of person where if I go to a bar that I've never been to before and I walk in and I want a menu and I can't immediately see a menu, I'll leave that bar and go somewhere else instead of asking the person for a menu because then I'll look like I don't know what I'm doing for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm similar to that, but mostly that's, I hate social interactions. So that stresses me out, but I, you were going to say something. I was just going to say, it's not like an anxiety thing or like, I dislike social situations. No, I know it's not. It's that I want to look like I strolled in there, my coat billowing (laughs) perfectly in the wind I lean up on the bar and I'm like, I'll have a number two. And they're like, oh, what a confident order. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And like, I think, I think that's all like, that's, I think that's human. Do you? I mean, I, I think. I think a lot of people are totally okay with not looking confident and stuff, but I think like questioning, like you're talking about having internal, like just, okay, maybe this isn't the version of me I want to present because it's boring. I think a lot of that probably just comes from like familial relations. And I don't mean that because whatever about your family, my family is the same way. Like I've always had a particular image to uphold in my own family. Um, Everybody talks about how I'm, you know, I'm extra. I, that's who I am, right? I am the person that likes to live in the city. I'm the person that needs to just do everything in some kind of a crazy way. I can't do anything normal. And that's how they think of me. And that's not bad that they think of me that way, but that's how they think of me. And oftentimes I'll be like, man, they're going to be like, what is going on with Jessica? Because my life is pretty stinking calm. I've had quite a tumultuous, I I don't know what, what part of my life would you call that? Adolescence into twenties. Um, Every, there was always a big dramatic problem. Almost a tumultuous twenty years, really. It's yeah, not that basically. far away from twenty. Yeah. yeah, basically, and you know, a lot of it was my fault. A lot of it was just situations I was put in. That's just how it was, and a lot of things that I did, I wasn't like super proud of. But they all went into the same vein of me just being like kind of reckless and over the top. And needing validation. Validation, I think, is what it was. I needed some sort of external validation 24-7 because I didn't have any inside. Like, I can look at it now. I've gone through enough, like, even in the past couple years of kind of, like, dissecting it and trying to move on from all of it because that stuff follows you around. And... I think, I, you know, I went through a time I didn't have any validation inside. So I needed it from other people, which put me in really bad spots. That's a bad place to be when you're trying to seek 
everybody else's approval to make you feel confident. And I'm certainly not like confident now, but I very, I, there are very few people that I care about their opinion, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which is quite a different place to be than I would say I was before. So I think that's kind of where you're, where you're headed is being like, okay, maybe that's boring, but I don't, you, I don't care about what other people think is boring. Right. Cause you're content. Right. Like, and that's what matters. That's what, and I think even like, I've listened to some Duncan Trussell, not a lot, a bit. And I think that's one of the things that like he tries to say too, is like, none of this, none of that other stuff matters. It doesn't. So what if you're boring? Is that boring? Like you're heaven? Then yeah, then do that. But do that thing. Yeah. But it's also like like boring. It's such a fucking loaded term because it doesn't. You, I don't think you would. No individual person would really be doing anything that they found boring mm-hmm. at any point in time. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, like like maybe aspects of your life mm-hmm. are times when you are bored or whatever because you know like like even in the process of making a song you know you can you can compose the whole song or whatever or write write the words and the melody and that's the fun part but then and and the whole thing is like you're like i'm like i like making songs but then there's like the mixing period yeah which i think is boring <laughs> right and i don't like doing it but it still goes into the greater thing of the thing that I don't think is boring. Right. And yeah. So, so when I say like, Oh, how boring that sounds or whatever, that's exclusively putting myself in the shoes of an external reaction to the thing that I'm doing and not actually like what I think about it. So that's what I meant. That's what I meant. So none of that matters. That's that's yeah. like exactly what I was trying to say is like, how do you feel about it? Because that's literally the only thing that matters about. And it, I'm telling you that for me, I'm I'm the one saying this and that's hard. Like It's hard for me all the time. I I can't, I want to live up to the expectation. I want to be the best. I want to do all of that stuff. And sometimes I'm just kind of like, OK, well. Do I think it's hard for me to even tell someone if I think something is good or, you know, okay. Like, what do you think about this, Jessica? Um, I don't know. You know what do you want to eat? I don't know. Yeah. What do you want to, what do you think about that? Oh, I think it's, it's okay. It's good. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's my response to everything. What do you want? Tell me what you want. Because I can make that happen. That's me in a nutshell. Like I'm the, I, and I tell you this a lot. I'm like the supplemental role all the time. And so for me to ever find something where I'm just actively okay with being like, yeah, this is the thing I'm doing. Circle back to food blogger. Like it's freaking scary. That's terrifying. What if they hate that? What if I'm a joke? What if they laugh at me? What if I fail? What if I did all of this and I just don't ever do anything with it? And I only ever stay at like, I have 3,000 followers, uh, 30 of them like my things, you know? And it's scary. Putting myself out there in any capacity is scary. I don't even take pictures of myself anymore because it's terrifying scares me and so like I understand I understand I guess that's I guess that's I think everybody has those dialogues I mean I don't know I don't talk to many people about it but I would assume so I certainly do I'm certainly like oh I better not say this thing because this thing is whatever and I think I apologize for pretty much everything that I do like I woke up in vacuum this morning sorry Maybe you didn't want me to do that. Like, and so 
And that's just comes from being like, well, I better cover all my bases. Cause if like, this yeah. wasn't the thing I was supposed to do, I better apologize. That's not, you know, work in progress. It's a work in progress. So when you do posts and stuff, how do you, do you feel, um, like, do you feel vulnerable in the pictures of your food mm-hmm. or like the recipes of it or yep. like, in everything. Yeah. Every single element that I've had any control over in the entirety of the thing, I am concerned about. Like, I feel like it's a part of me. It's a piece of me, and I put it out there. And if people don't like it, that translates back to it's me that's unlikable. Well, and I genuinely feel like. But it's like, if I mean, the more you it is then yes, maybe the more it is that person rejecting you. But yeah. I guess the point that we were just talking about is like, so what? No, right? I know. That's that's why it's hard is I w- in some of my very formative. I was very when I was we just talked about this last night in the car a little bit in my very early years. I was kind of the center of attention in everybody in my world. My parents, my grandparents, I was the only grandchild. I was the only child till I was eight. I had a lot of friends in school. I was quite, you know, sociable and outgoing and everything was good. And in my middle school years, we had moved a couple times and then we moved and my parents got divorced. And we moved back to the town my mom went to high school in. My is a very small town. And I wanted to be with my dad. I was much closer to my dad and I got left with my mom. And I went to school there. Everybody knew my mom. And just wasn't a very positive situation. And for the very first time in my life, basically any and everything that I did got made fun of by people in the school. I mean, the my first day there, they made fun of my pants relentlessly. I wore some like bell-bottomy pants with um, like they had like bleach marks on them. And I thought they were so cool. And um, it just became something that existed throughout middle school into high school. I made bad choices. Um, I put myself in bad situations. And a lot of those people in different ways had hung along in my life until I was about 28. And so I just developed a sense of nothing I say is worth anything to anyone even unless it's a lie I think that's that's the key unless it was a lie nobody liked me unless I lied if I lied about something people would be like oh that's really cool yeah so I would lie about everything about everything until I just became this big lie. And and I didn't even mean to. It would go to where, like, I didn't even know that I was lying. I just was, like, saying, so I know this is what people are going to like. Got to say it. And it worked. I charmed everyone. I, became, I was like, I, you met me. I was quite charming. I was, <laughs> I mean, you know. Quite I, charming. Comparatively speaking to what how I felt inside. Yeah. Externally, I was what people thought all of the internal things. I never wanted to brag about anything that I did good because it was embarrassing. And people didn't like that. People didn't like that I was smart. People didn't like that I did very well in school. People, I got, even in college, I would know the answer to things. So I'd be like, oh, I know this. And I would ask questions and I made sure, you know, that I was doing things that I was passionate about. But I did them hidden constantly. Because I would get made fun of for knowing all the answers. And people would be like, oh my gosh, she ruined the curve. And now, where I am right now, if I ruined the curve, I would be like, damn right, study harder. You know? But then I was like, oh, I ruined the curve. Everybody hates me. But if you ruined the curve now, you would be like... Damn right, study harder. Damn right, study (laughs) harder. We have to go pick up our kids. We'll be back. (laughs) We won't. <laughs> but 
You're doing a giveaway on Instagram. Uh, give the information for your giveaway real quick. Give um, your you can go to www.cjesscook.com. There are easy links to access everything. There's a holiday guide, 12 days of giveaways, new prize every day. Nominate someone to win all the prizes on the last day. Nominate them throughout the whole time. And they'll win on the last day. Um, there's forms on my website you can fill out. You can find me on Instagram at cjesscook. That's about it. Pinterest, and, see Jess Cook. And the first thing you're giving away is... An eight-cup Cuisinart food processor today. So the the things are pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know if any of anyone is listening or if you know what a eight-cup Cuisinart food processor is, but it's pretty sweet. Um, thanks, Jessica. I love you. Love you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And thanks, everyone out there. Goodbye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this most recent episode of Novelty Drive. My apologies to Jessica because I didn't post it in enough time for her giveaway. Barring that, thanks so much for being on the show, Jessica. I love you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I hope to do more stuff like this in the future, just kind of bearing my heart and soul about what's going on in my life in the meantime keep on keeping on everybody i hope nothing but the best for all of you peace out